beginning of this afternoon with the uh, teaching on faith, which is the second out of the six foundational doctrines as revealed to us in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, the scripture says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of the doctrine of baptisms and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And so we see faith toward God is the second of the six foundational doctrines. And we also picked up uh, in the last teaching that in Acts chapter 20, when Paul spoke to the elders of the church at Ephesus, that he mentioned that the two doctrines that he taught on extensively to that particular church, and obviously that would be what Paul's emphasis would have been in all of the churches that he taught on. Um, Paul would have taught on all six foundational doctrines, but two of them he specifically highlighted when he, he spoke to the church at Ephesus. And he said that the two doctrines that he really concentrated on there was repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the two doctrines are repentance toward God, which is the same doctrine as repentance from dead works as listed in the book of Hebrews. And the second doctrine he mentioned is faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, which is again the same doctrine um, of faith toward God as mentioned in the book of Hebrews. And so these two particular doctrines are the two cornerstones, or to, uh, so to speak, of the Christian faith. And all believers should have a clear understanding of not only all six of those do of the foundational doctrines, but specifically these two doctrines, um, believers should have a clear understanding of, in order for them to be able to grow in the things of God. And so we had a look at in the in the last teaching the fact that is that everybody has faith, and we saw that our Lord Jesus Christ referred to the fact that all little ones believe in Him naturally, and the reason that is is because everybody who comes into the earth is born um, by the Spirit of God. And they're born with the natural ability to believe and to believe in God. That faith uh, is given to each individual uh, on the earth, and that faith is natural, and that faith is given to them by God. And everybody has that faith. When our Lord was on the earth, He said to His disciples on numerous occasions, Where is your faith? And uh, we know that when our Lord um, healed people, very often he would say to them, your faith has healed you. And so everybody has faith. Um, but what we saw was that not everybody has faith in God. And, and the, the doctrine is called faith toward God. It's not called the doctrine of faith. Although when we teach on this particular doctrine, we teach on faith as, as a subject because we need to understand how faith works and, and um, how to apply it in our lives. However, the doctrine is called faith toward God. And, and um, we saw that there is a difference between um, what it, the world's faith is and Christian's faith is. I have to differentiate between the two. Because the Bible talks about the fact that there, there's believers and unbelievers. And we saw that when the Bible talks about uh, a believer and an unbeliever, it's not a case of the unbeliever has no faith and the believer has faith. That's not the case at all. The Bible is telling us when it refers to a, an unbeliever, this is an individual who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that is what the Bible classifies as an unbeliever. Um, believers, on the other hand, have faith in Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and that is what classifies them as believers. 
But even unbelievers have faith. Um, they believe, they just believe the wrong thing. And as we saw under our Lord's ministry, there were multitudes that were healed by their faith, but they never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and they didn't come into the kingdom of God. Um, but their bodies were healed because they believed in Jesus as being a, and a prophet of God who was anointed by God to heal the sick, and that's what he did. And they could believe that and receive their healing uh, through his ministry. And we saw that the reason that um, unbelievers cannot believe the gospel is because their, the eyes of their understanding have been blinded. Uh, the God of this world has blinded them that they cannot see the truth of the light of the gospel. And God has allowed that. We saw that in Isaiah's prophecy. Um, and God basically allows the, the unsaved to be blinded so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. And because they can't see the light of the gospel, they cannot then apply their faith to that uh, gospel and thus believe and be saved. Because um, those who are called are the ones whom, to whom the gospel is being opened up. And uh, they're the ones who are able to see the light of the gospel and be saved. The Bible talks about the fact that we're enlightened before we accept uh, Christ Jesus our Lord. And that enlightenment is when the veil is taken away and for the first time we actually see the truth of the gospel and we can then believe in it. We can apply our faith to it and thus be born again. And so that's where we got up to in, in the last uh, section of teaching. Today we want to look at a little bit, because we're dealing still in the, the, the subject of what is faith. Um, and so there's two points that I want to look at today with regards to what is faith. The first being the fact that faith is being fully convinced. And we're going to expand on that particular uh, topic later on as we go through this teaching. And then the second section I'd like to look at, the fact is that faith is tangible. It can be seen and heard um, in this life. But first, let's have a look at the fact that faith is being fully convinced. Um, and so we've seen that... Uh, Everybody has faith, but not everybody has faith toward God. And we've also seen that um, unbelievers also believe, they just believe the wrong thing. They don't believe um, what is the gospel. And then we come to the believers. Now, even amongst believers, because now we're talking about people who have accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, and they're born again, they're saved. Even amongst the saved, there are those who have strong faith and those who have weak faith. So it's not a case of because now you're saved, everybody um, displays the same <clears throat> level of faith. Uh, we all re receive, when we come into the kingdom of God, we all do receive the same level of faith. Uh, God is not unjust to give more uh, faith to one of his children over and above another child. There are other aspects to it that uh, deals with the ministry uh, faith that we receive, ministry gift faith, but we're not touching on that particular point today. But the point is very clear in Scripture that when we come into the kingdom of God, every one of God's children receive the same measure of faith. Not one child receives more faith than another. However, as we grow in the things of God, it is very clear that certain of His children have stronger faith than others. Um, and certain are weaker in their faith than others. And we need to examine that and, and understand why that is so that we can understand how it is it's possible for us to, to grow our faith and increase our faith. 
And so the scripture we want to open up with today is in Romans chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to highlight certain verses of scripture out of this chapter, because this particular chapter is very enlightening to us with regards to this concept about faith is being fully convinced. And that is really uh, the, the topic I want to discuss right now, the fact that faith is being fully convinced. So I'm going to read the scripture, and then we'll comment on it as I normally do. And beginning at verse 1, this is uh, Paul writing to the church at Rome, and he's giving the, the church, and you, you know, the Bible is very plain that all scripture is inspired by God. And so when Paul is writing in his epistles to the churches and all the apostles who did write, they wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so, in effect, it is the Holy Spirit who is writing through the Apostle Paul to the church at Rome and subsequently to the church worldwide and to us today. And so this is the Holy Spirit speaking to us, who is God. And so God is now saying this to us. He says, receive one who is weak in the faith. And so, so it's very plain that God identifies that there are among his children, those who are weak in the faith and those who are stronger in the faith. And uh, there's no condemnation in it. You know, a lot of uh, Christians get very, uh, they feel condemned when they, uh, they feel they don't have strong faith, but this Christian does have strong faith. Um, God doesn't condemn. He just says, we, it, let's just go through the scripture. He says, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Uh, for one believes another, he's elaborating on the doubtful things. Um, because there are certain things in Scripture where it's neither sinful nor um, righteous in your, in your belief in, in how you behave in these areas. Um, when it comes to sin, let's say, talk, uh, talk about the sin of adultery for argument. I mean, that's plain sin. So you cannot argue and say, well, God allows me to commit adultery. No, he doesn't. Do. We're very clear about that. It is sin. And so that is not a doubtful um, area. That's not this. But he highlights in this passage of scripture, in this chapter, certain areas that are not, uh, the, the word doubtful is maybe not the right word, but it comes across in, that, in the scripture that says over doubtful things. It's talking about things that are, you know, whether you believe it this way, I believe it that way, God doesn't it, it doesn't phase the Lord. It doesn't say, God doesn't say, well, this child of mine got it right. This one's walking now in sin because he's doing it that way. But let's just read the scripture again and let's expand on it. Verse 2, he says, For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. And so here we're talking about what you eat. Um, and, you know, the Holy Spirit is saying that there's one of the children of God believes he can eat, eat anything. And, and another child of his believes that he can only eat vegetables. And so these, this is the differentiation. This is the, the doubtful thing. So the, the one child of God says, wait a minute, I believe that God says we can only eat vegetables. And the other child of God says, wait a minute, I believe that God says we can eat all things. And this is the doubtful thing. And the Lord is saying, don't get into arguments and disputes about these kind of things. Because... They, there's, there's nothing, the, neither one of you has a, a right over the other in this area because, and we'll expand on it. But notice that he says, but he who is weak 
eats only vegetables. So he's saying, he who is weak in faith, because he opens up the scripture, he says, receive one who is weak in the faith. And so he's saying, the one who is weak in the faith eats only vegetables. Then moving on to verse 5, the scripture says, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And so here we have another area that could be an area of dispute. Um, one, the first point he's talking about foods, and he's saying one, one can only eat vegetables, one says, no, I can eat everything. And the other one, now he's talking about days. And the one says, no, this, this, this particular day is a day that uh, you know, we really should be a holy day. We should acknowledge it before the Lord. And the other, other believer says, no, every day is uh, a holy day before the Lord. And I, I live every day unto God. And so he's just talking about these kind of things. But in talking about these kind of things, because neither of them are sinful, um, he's saying that the way that you observe and do certain things all it does is it kind of highlights where you are in your walk of faith, your level of faith that you are operating in. Um, and again, getting back to that uh, first point, the one who is weak in faith eats only vegetables. The one who is strong, obviously the Holy Spirit is contouring the two of them. And he's saying, a contrast in the two of them, should I say. And he's saying the, the one who is strong in faith eats all things. So we, we, we're starting to see the differentiation between a believer who's weak in faith and a believer who's strong in faith. And here he comes up with another idea, or another, another idea, but another example. He says, one esteems one day above another, while another esteems every day exactly the same. Um, then he expands on it a bit. He says, and this is very, this is where it becomes quite important for us to pick it up. He says, let each be fully convinced where in his own mind okay so this is a very important point for us to realize when it comes to faith um, your faith works based on what you are fully convinced of in your mind now faith is of the heart we're going to touch on that later we're going to we'll see that faith is in the spirit uh, it's a spiritual force um, however, it is linked directly with the way that we view things through our minds and the way we understand things. So hold that thought. The scripture says, let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And then in, moving on to verse 14 of the same chapter, Paul now says, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. And so Paul uh, puts his point of view across on this. And he says, and, and look at two things he mentions. He says, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean around myself. And I don't want to touch on the, uh, uh, getting to the, the, the debate on what is clean and unclean. I'm, we're talking about faith in this teaching. And we're talking about how we can differentiate between weak faith and strong faith and, and how do we move from weak faith into strong faith. And so Paul is saying, I know 
and I am convinced by the Lord Jesus. Now, we all know that the Lord Jesus is the Word of God. The book of um, Revelation, his name is called the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. So Jesus is the Word of God. So Paul could have just as easily have said, or the Holy Spirit through Paul could have just as easily have said, I know and am convinced by the Word of God that there is nothing unclean of itself. And so the, the, the concept that I want you to get across here from the scripture is that it is the word of God that gives us knowledge, that, we are, that convinces us in our minds. Remember what we said earlier? Let each be fully convinced in their own mind. And so it is the word of God that convinces us in our mind that this is the way to go, walk in it. And that's how we come into the kingdom of God, because until the time that the Holy Spirit opened our understanding to the gospel, no matter how many times we might have heard it preached before that time, it meant nothing to us. We couldn't apply our faith to it because we didn't understand it. However, on that particular day when the Holy Spirit opened our minds and allowed us to see the light of the gospel for the very first time, we now understood it. When we understood it, we applied our faith to it and we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We were thus born again. That, that principle remains exactly the same all through our Christian walk. And so it is that as we come into the kingdom of God, as we learn by the word of God what God says about something, and we become fully convinced in our minds that this is true, that God's word about the subject is true. This is what he, uh, I can apply. I will then be fully convinced I can then apply my faith to it and walk in it. Um, moving on to verse 22 of that same chapter, the scripture says, Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he, now this is also very important, happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. And then verse 23, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. And so the, the, this portion of scripture is very clear to us that the Holy Spirit is contrasting uh, one who is weak in faith with one who is strong in faith. And he's saying the one who is weak in faith is the, the one who believes he can only eat vegetables. The one who is strong in faith, he's saying, is the one who believes he can eat all things. So what is the difference between these two Christians? They both are sons of God. They both love the Lord, and they're both walking in faith. The difference is is that the one who believes he can only eat, eat vegetables, his knowledge is different to the one who believes he can eat all things. Remember what Paul said, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that I, basically he's saying, paraphrase, he's saying that I can eat all things, um, that nothing's unclean. Um, he says, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean of itself. Uh, because God is the creator of all things. God's created all things, and all things are, are cleansed through the Word of God and, and through prayer. And uh, you know, the Bible teaches us very plainly. Um, but that is knowledge that has come to that particular believer. 
The other believer has not yet seen that particular truth in God's word. And so still sees that there are certain foods that, wait a minute, I, I shouldn't eat that food. Um, yeah, it might be pork for argument's sake, um, because they read under the old covenant, God said, you know, that to, to the Jews, that's unclean for you, you're not to eat that. And so they've applied it to their lives, um, and so they don't eat pork, okay? Whereas the other believer says, okay, but God has created all creatures and all things are clean in and of itself. For God creates all things uh, perfect. There's no, nothing imperfect of God's creations. And the Bible says to us very plainly, we should partake of all foods, giving thanks unto the Lord because it's sanctified through the word of God and through prayer. And so Paul says, I've seen this truth. And he's a, he's a Jew. Um, he's a Pharisee of Pharisees, has grown up, has been a very strict adherent to uh, the, the, the law, and so would never have eaten anything unclean and touched anything unclean. However, since he's come into the kingdom of God, his, his understanding of the word of God has opened up. Jesus has given him a more a clearer understanding. And so he walks in a different level. So the difference between the two believers is purely knowledge. It's, it's got nothing to do with the one being more spiritual than the other one or more holy than the other one. The one just hasn't seen the truth in God's word that everything is uh, clean before the Lord uh, because he's created all things. Uh, the, the other one is still uh, seeing, you know, there's certain things that are unclean. And so I, to me, it's unclean. I can't eat in it. So what has happened here is that the one who is weak in faith has basically com, um, applied constraints on his life in that he is constrained. He can only eat vegetables. He, he doesn't have the liberty to eat all things. Whereas the believer who is now strong in faith because he has seen the truth in God's word that all things um, are, are clean before the Lord, um, he's at greater liberty. He can now partake of all foods. Um, and so the difference between the two, the one is constrained and, can, is, and is constrained himself. The word of God has not constrained him. He's constrained himself. Because remember what the scripture says, um, getting back to that particular scripture again, it's, he says, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So that food is not unclean in and of itself. But because that particular believer considers it to be unclean, to him it is unclean. And so if he was to now partake of that food outside of his level of faith, he would now be overstepping the mark. And so he, it, he stays within his level of faith and he partakes only of vegetables. Um, but I want you to see that both believers are walking in faith. The one is walking in a, a greater uh, level of faith than the other one. And the one has a greater degree of liberty in their lives than the other one. However, both are walking in faith at their level. And so God honors the level of faith that we walk at. And both are fully convinced in their own minds that they are pleasing God. And remember the scripture says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And believe you me, both are pleasing God. The one who only eats vegetables is pleasing the Father. The one who eats all things is pleasing the Father. Why? Because they are both fully convinced in their own minds that what they are doing is in line with the Word of God and is pleasing to God. And God honors their level of faith. God doesn't say to the weak one, no, 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 you're out of line because you should be believing what your brother believes. 
And so I don't accept you, uh, you know, I'm not going to honor your faith, but I'll honor his faith because he's believing that. Uh, it doesn't, God doesn't work like that at all. At the level of faith that we're at, that is where God deals with us and that's where God meets with us. Um, there's another area that we can apply to because this particular uh, principle is applicable to all areas of the believer's walk. Um, another area we can apply to is, is um, divine health for arguments like healing. Um, the one Christian believes that the redemptive work of, of, of the Lord Jesus on the cross paid for my healing. In that the scripture says, by his stripes we were healed. The scripture says, he himself bore our sickness and carried away all of our diseases. The scripture says that um, he became a curse for me. Um, in that everyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. And he redeemed me from the curse of the law. And the scripture is very plain that all sickness and disease is under the curse of the law. And so this one particular believer believes that the scripture has revealed to him that he can walk in divine health because Jesus has paid for all of his sickness and all of his disease. He doesn't have to walk in any sickness. And so he chooses not to. And he exercises his faith along that line. The other believer, and I'm just contrasting two believers in another area of life. We've had a look at the fact that uh, one believes he can only eat vegetables, the other one can eat all foods. Uh, one believes um, in uh, observing uh, Christmas Day, for argument's sake, to, to, to celebrate the Lord's birthday. The other one believes, no, every day I just uh, celebrate the Lord. And, you know, there's no one particular day that I, I dedicate to the Lord. I dedicate all my days to the Lord. God receives them both at that level. And on this, in, in the example I'm talking about now with regards to divine health, the other Christian may have heard that scripture quoted, by his stripes you were healed but doesn't apply it to his mind to say, yeah, okay, I can actually receive healing. It, it doesn't register on his mind that that's what that scripture actually means. and doesn't believe it. And so he believes that sickness is natural. Sickness is a part of life. And when you get sick, you go to the doctor. And he goes to the doctor and he believes that God will heal him through the doctor's intervention. So he prays when he goes, Lord, really, I ask that you would um, give the doctor wisdom so he can diagnose my sickness and, and prescribe the correct medication so that I can be made well. And God honors that faith because that's where his faith is. Another Christian gets told he needs to have an operation. So he calls people up, let's pray, guys, let's pray that the operation will go well and it will be a success and it will be a testimony to God and that God will be glorified through it. And God meets that um, person at that level of faith and that's exactly what happens. The operation goes well. Um, God is glorified because the, uh, the person recovers so quickly and he gives God the glory and everybody uh, thanks the Lord and the Lord receives the thanksgiving from that. And so that's the level of faith that that believer is operating in. And it is quite um, acceptable before the Lord. Both is acceptable before the Lord. One is not greater than the other uh, in their walk with God because they are both walking in faith toward the Lord. However, the one has the greater liberty than the other because the other one, when he gets sick, has to go to a doctor to be made well. The other one, when a sickness might attack their bodies, they just claim the scripture that says, no, by your stripes I'm healed, and God uh, meets them at that level and meets and honors their faith as well. And so he walks, the one walks in divine health, the other one gets well when they get sick after they receive medical treatment. But both are fully convinced in their own minds. Where uh, Christians kind of get into trouble uh, from time to time 
is they, the, the one who is weak in faith sees the one who is strong in faith testifying how God just keeps them walking in divine health and they think, wait a minute, if that person can do it, why can't I do it? I'm a, a child of God too. I'm going to do what they do. And so they try to do what they see the strong person doing, but they have not yet seen that truth in the Word of God. That truth has not yet been opened to them from the point of view they are not fully convinced in their minds that the scripture that says, by his stripes you were healed, is true and can be lived by. Okay? They're just looking at another Christian. They're saying, but wait a minute, if they can do it, I can do it too. That is where Christians take strain because you're now stepping outside the level of faith that you can operate comfortably at. You, because you're not fully convinced in your mind about the Word of God, you're just looking at somebody else and saying, okay, they, they can do it, I can do it too. That's true, you can do it. However, you've got to do it through the Word of God. You've got to be fully convinced in your mind as Paul was fully convinced by the Lord Jesus, remember, he's a Pharisee of Pharisees, he's a Jew, and he's grown up his whole life believing that there's certain foods that are unclean. However, now the Lord Jesus has actually convinced him through the word that there is nothing unclean in and of itself, and all things can be partaken with thanksgiving. And so he's now fully convinced in his mind, and that's why Paul, when he's with the Gentiles, he eats with the Gentiles matters not to him as to whether the food uh, is uh, not kosher or whatever. He just eats whatever they put on the table and he, give God, he give, gives God thanks. Uh, when he's with the Jews, he'll only eat kosher foods around them so that he can win the Jews. I don't want to go down that road, but that's how Paul operated. But he operated in the freedom. Based on his knowledge, based on what God had revealed to him and had fully convinced him in his word. So Paul had seen that truth in the, in the word of God and now could walk in the light of that truth. And that is what we have to do if we're going to grow in faith. But as I say, Christians get into trouble when they see other believers who are strong in faith, exercising their faith in God and think that they can do the same thing. If you haven't yet seen that truth in the word of God, in other words, those scriptures that that, that believer is living by, is not you, you're still not fully convinced in your mind that those scriptures actually mean what they say, then you cannot move out of that and start to try and walk on that uh, scripture. You won't work, it won't work because you're not walking in faith. You're not fully convinced in your own mind about what the Word of God says on that subject. Once you are fully convinced in your own mind about what the Word of God says on a subject, then you can begin to walk in it. In fact, you will walk in it. That will then become natural for you. Let's have a look at another scripture along this line. Uh, Romans chapter 4, beginning at verse 20. It's talking about Abraham. And the scripture says, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. And there's two ways you could take that particular scripture to mean strengthened in faith in that his body was strengthened because of his faith. Also, he was strengthened in faith in that he started to grow strong in faith, giving glory to God. Uh, verse 21 is the, is the clincher here. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And so we see Abraham is uh, acting on what he is fully convinced God is able to perform. God, is, God has promised him that um, he will have a son 
And Abraham believes God. He's fully convinced that that word that he's received from God is true. And God is able to perform this. And so Abraham acts on that which he is fully convinced will come to pass. And he obviously inherits um, Isaac as a result of that. But you have to be fully convinced in your own mind regarding what the Word of God says and then act on it. If you try act on the Word of God and you're not yet fully convinced in your own mind that this is the truth, because, I mean, just think about it logically. If you're fully convinced in your own mind that by His stripes you were healed, then no matter what gets thrown at you, that is what you're going to act on. That is what you're going to confess. That's what you're going to do. Because, I mean, how can you be fully convinced that that word is true and then go do something else? You're straight away going against what you're fully convinced of. So you will always act on what you're fully convinced of. And we are fully convinced in our minds, not in our hearts, in our minds. Our hearts are, are ready all the time. Your, 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 your spirit is perfect. It grows stronger. It grows uh, more mature. But nothing changes. Nothing gets added to it. Uh, nothing gets taken away from it. All that happens is it increases in strength. Your spirit grows stronger with each and every passing day as you spend time in the Word of God. But your mind is where the area is that we have to get sorted out in order to allow our spirits to grow stronger. And so we have to be fully convinced before we act. In fact, the scripture very plainly tells us, going back to uh, Romans chapter 14, that anything not done by faith is in fact sin. And so if you're not fully convinced in your own mind and you're going to act on it, you've now stepped out of uh, faith and you're now walking in doubt. And when you're walking in doubt, you're, you're walking in sin because the scripture says anything not done by faith is in fact sin. And so you're actually sinning if you try and do something where you're not fu yet fully convinced in your own mind. And so the idea is to, to just relax and spend time in God's Word and allow Him to reveal the truth of His Word to you and, and allow Him to fully con let Him convince you about His Word. And once He's convinced you, well, you're there. You're convinced. You can now act on it. You can now walk in faith. Um, so how do we get to that place? Well, let's have a look at a scripture. John chapter 8, verse 31. Um, starting at verse 31. This is our Lord speaking. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so here our Lord gives us a very clear uh, understanding of how it is that we are to be made free. Let's go back to the example uh, that Paul gave us earlier, where one can, believes he can only eat vegetables, whereas the other one can believe he, believes he can eat all things. Clearly, the one who believes he can eat all things is a greater liberty than the one who is constrained to eating only vegetables. Because when there's very few vegetables around, this one's going to go hungry. But this one doesn't go hungry because this one can eat anything that you put on the, on the plate. Um, and so a greater degree of freedom is applicable to the believer who has more knowledge of, of the Word of God and is... Uh, 
has a clearer understanding of the word of God. And here our Lord put it this way. He said, you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It is only the truth of God's word that makes the believer free. Um, you know, there's so many Christians that go for prayer and, and, and counseling um, and they go for prayer on, on a regular basis. When you, you, when you invite people up for prayer, that these same Christians are there every time because they, they, they believe that through prayer, God will now set them free from whatever it is that they're having problems with in their lives. And yet our Lord didn't say that that's what will set you free. Our Lord said that it's the truth that will set you free. And it, there's only one way to know the truth. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And then the truth shall set you free. And so the key is to abide in the word of God. As we abide in his word, he reveals his truth to us. God, okay, God, God is God. He understands exactly where we are in our spiritual walk. He's our father. Um, he, he watches us all the time. He knows, where, he knows if we're um, in our babyhood stage. He's not going to reveal to a baby Christian truths that he would only reveal to a mature believer who's been in the Lord uh, years and years and years. It doesn't work like that. God reveals truth to us as we're able to absorb it. I remember our Lord when he was on the earth, he said, guys, there's many things I need to say to you, but I can't say them to you now because you're not able to receive them now. The reason they were not able to receive it because their, eyes, their spiritual eyes had not yet been opened to the, the truth of God's word. And even Paul, remember when he was talking to the church at Corinth um, and the, the church in, in, in the Hebrews, he said, guys, there's things that we want to share with you, but we can't share them with you now because you're still baby Christians. And I, I can only feed you with milk. I can't yet feed you with solid food because they would choke on it. They wouldn't understand it. And it wouldn't mean anything to their lives. And so exactly in the same manner, when we spend time in the word of God, God opens up his word to us layer by layer, for want of a better word, an analogy. It's not the right analogy, but it's a way of putting it across. In that little by little, he takes us into the word of God. Remember, the, our Lord said that the Holy Spirit will lead us and he will guide us into all truth. And so God doesn't say, well, okay, you're now my son. Well, I'll just give it all to you. We, we wouldn't be able to absorb it. It's too much. Okay, because don't forget these things have to be renewed. Uh, when we come into the kingdom of God, these things are still the same. They still think exactly the same way they thought when we, before we were saved. And so we have to reprogram our minds. When we come into the kingdom of God, all the way up until that time that we're born again, our minds have been programmed to think as this world thinks. Our minds have not been programmed to think as God thinks. He says in the Old Testament, he says to, to the, the, the children of Israel, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways, my thoughts above your thoughts. That's under the Old Covenant. Under the New Covenant, it's different. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. However, it, is it takes time 
for us to renew our minds in the book of uh, Romans chapter uh, 12 beginning in verse 1 2 it says present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed unto this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God and so we can only get to know the good and acceptable and perfect will of God as we renew our minds our minds have to be renewed they have to be reprogrammed to think in line with the way God thinks to think in line with and how does God think God reveals the way he thinks to it to us through his word through his written word as we spend time in the word of God meditating upon his word reading his word uh, confessing his word so he then opens up his word to us those truths in his word become real to us and he starts to convince us remember Paul said I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus Christ that all things uh, are not unclean in and of themselves and so Jesus had to convince Paul uh, because Paul came out of a Jewish background he was a a fanatical Jew. He was an ultra-Orthodox Jew. To try and convince an ultra-Orthodox Jew who's not born again that he can go and eat all things, he'll tell you to get knotted, okay? There's no way he's going to believe that. Paul gets saved, and now Lord Jesus has to start convincing him. Paul, there's other truths in my word that you haven't yet seen. Let me not start teaching you. And so, the Lord teaches Paul, and Paul says, okay, eventually, all right, now I know and I'm convinced by my Lord Jesus that uh, all foods are clean. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing, but that's really what, what, the, what had happened there. And so if Paul had to have his mind renewed by our Lord Jesus, and our Lord had to take him through it and show him, it's exactly the same with us. We're all going to have to take time to allow God to take us into his word and teach us the truth in his word. As he does that, the light will switch on in our brains. Okay, so this is the word, what, what God means. And this is true. When God says this about this subject, I can go down this road. I used to think I couldn't go down this road. I had to go down that road. But now that I'm seeing this truth, okay, I can go down this road. I used to think I could only eat all, only vegetables. But now I, I see the truth in God's word. I can actually eat all things. And I, there's my liberty. The truth has made me free in this area and I can now walk in that because I'm fully convinced up here that that is the truth. What I believed before was not the full truth. It was partially true maybe, but it wasn't. Now I've seen the truth. He will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But we have to abide in the word of God in order for us to get to that place where we know the truth and the truth sets us free. And we abide in the Word of God through meditation. It takes discipline and it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You've taken your whole life to program your mind up to where you are when you come into the kingdom of God. So you're not going to change your, your thinking overnight. Not going to happen. In some points, dramatically, miraculously, it does happen. God just steps in and does it. I was born again. Um, I used to curse and swear like the worst trooper you could think of. Um, friends of mine were embarrassed around me with what came, the profanity. I got born again. God cleaned my mouth up straight away, instantaneously. I never swore again. And that's 35 years later, 36 years later. 
I, I, it doesn't come out of my mouth. God changed that, and so God can do miraculous works in our in our on our, our makeup. But normally speaking, the way that we grow in the things of God is we spend time in His Word, we meditate upon His Word, we confess His Word, we pray about His Word, and as we do, and we're disciplined about it. You have to be disciplined. You have to go to God's Word with the attitude of God. Your Word is true. And whatever I'm thinking that is outside, out of line with your word, I want you to reveal that to me so that I can change my thinking to think as you think and thus begin to behave as you've called me to behave. As we do that, by faith, God then renews our mind. Every time I, I read the word of God, no, every day, I say, Lord, as I spend time in your word now, I'm asking you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that my spirit would grow strong thereby, that my mind would be renewed thereby, that it would be medicine and health to all my flesh, because that's what the Bible teaches us as well, that his word is medicine and health to all of our flesh. And these are three things that I, I ask the Lord every time I'm a, I spend time in the word of God, and not every time I read the Bible, but every day. And I say throughout this day, as I spend time in your word, I ask in Jesus' name that this will be done. And that's what God does, he, because I'm doing it in faith. And so he does, he opens his word to me, and I see the truth of his word, and I'm able to, I become fully convinced. He convinces me, Mike, this is the way you should be doing it. And I then begin to act on it. And it's, it's a natural thing, it's not a forced thing, because my, my spirit just wants to go with it, okay? But my mind is the one that's saying, but wait a minute, you know, it's not what I've always thought. And so God has to patiently just work us through and get our minds renewed. But it takes time and it takes discipline in doing it. And as I say, be honest with God. Don't come and just, all right, I'm just going to read your word. And it means nothing. I'm just reading your word. I've done my duty for the day. Thank you very much, Lord. And go on with the rest of your life. No, it doesn't mean that. When you come, you approach the word of God with purpose. Be like Mary. Come and sit at the Lord's feet and listen. And that good part will not be taken away from you. To whom? Um, that's not the right thing, but he who has, to him more will be given. Okay? And so when you, when you come with the right attitude before the Father, before the Lord, in his word, more will be given to you. He will begin to open up more truths to you. And, but when he does, you need to then start walking in the light of that truth. Because also, if you don't walk in it, that's it. You blocked it then. Because God says, why should I open up any of more of my truth? You haven't yet walked in that which I've already revealed to you. And so when he does reveal truths to you in his word and he convinces you, then you have to walk in that. Then you have to, that's a commitment, Lord. Okay, Lord, I, I see this in your word now. I'm going to start doing that because that's what your word says to me. And you, as you do, then more truths will be open to you and your spiritual walk will grow stronger. Um, and so it's, the, it's, it's really in our minds that we can doubt because remember we saw early in the scripture that said anything that's not of faith is sin. And doubt is sin. Okay, make no mistake, doubt is sin. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but doubt is sin. So, and, and your spirit cannot doubt. It's only in your mind that you can doubt. Um, let's have a look at a scripture in 1 John chapter 3, in verse 9. The scripture says, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, 
for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. And so it is our spirit that is born of God. Our spirit cannot sin. The Holy Spirit resides within our spirits, and the Holy Spirit cannot reside in any place where there is sin, for in him is no sin. And so when we can get born again, our spirits are born again perfect, and they remain perfect from the time we're born again until the time we go to be with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and that's why He never leaves us nor forsakes us. No matter how many times the Christian actually does miss it and maybe commits sin, the Spirit is unaffected by that, because... Otherwise, if your spirit was affected, then the spirit becomes sinful and the Holy Spirit can't dwell in sin. And so the Holy Spirit would have to leave you and come back after you, you cleaned your act up. But that's not what happens. Uh, the Holy Spirit resides within you and he's with you for all eternity. He never leaves you ever, ever again. He, he's in you and he stays with you for all eternity. And he can only reside where there is no sin. And so our spirits cannot sin. You need to understand that concept very clearly. And doubt is sin. Um, let's go back to Romans chapter 14 quickly, just to reinforce that, the fact that doubt is sin. Um, verse 23 of chapter 14 says, But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. Now, the only thing that condemns us is sin, not, nothing else. He's condemned if he eats. Why? Because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Okay, so doubt is definitely sinful, and it's important that you understand that. Now, faith is not, um, there's no sin in faith, but once you step outside of faith, you've now stepped into doubt, and once you've stepped into doubt, you've stepped into sin. And so our spirit cannot sin. We've just seen that truth in uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Um, for the scripture says, Whoever is born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. And so very clearly our spirits cannot doubt. For if our spirits could doubt, our spirits could sin. If our spirits could sin, the Holy Spirit couldn't dwell within us. And so it can't happen. And so your spirit can never doubt. Your spirit can only believe. Your spirit can only walk in faith. And so it's very important for us to realize the only place where doubt can be is up here in our minds because doubt can occur in the in the life of the believer without a doubt um, you can definitely walk in doubt paul admonishes us in chapter 14 of romans don't walk in doubt because doubt is sin and so it is possible for the christian to walk in doubt and it's we, we walk in doubt up here it's when we're doing things where we're not fully convinced up here that we're now walking in doubt. And so in our spirits, we cannot sin. It is only in our minds that we can sin. Um, yeah, let's move on. Move on, on to chapter uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 15. This is uh, another aspect of the fact that Doubt is in the mind, and we have to control that, okay, if we're going to walk by faith, because the just shall live by faith. God requires us to every second of our lives to be living by faith. Now, he doesn't say the just shall be live by great faith. That's not the requirement. The just shall live by faith, okay, by their faith. And when you're walking in faith, whether it be weak faith or strong faith, you're not walking in sin. 
It is when you're walking in doubt that you have now stepped into sin. And so it's not an issue as whether you walk in, if you're walking in weak faith. If you're walking in weak faith, you're walking by faith, you're walking free of sin. And that's fine. Okay, It's when we step out of our level of faith and we now move into doubt that we have uh, started committing sin because now we're walking in doubt. Romans chapter 2 verse 15, scripture says, Who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. And so Paul is giving us an indication, uh, 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 an idea of what a Christian's um, walk is like in a way. Because he's saying that we have the law written in our hearts. So that's the new covenant we under. Our Lord said in, in that day he's going to write his laws in our hearts and in our minds. And he'll put his laws into our hearts and put his laws into our minds. And so our, our spirits are born again and the, the word of God is really residing in there because we're born of the word of God, the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And our conscience is um, always going to tell you to do the right thing and not do the wrong thing. And so in this particular passage of scripture, Paul is saying that when a believer does that which is right, their thoughts will excuse them, their, their, their conscience and their spirit together, because he says, um, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, that's their spirits, their conscience also bearing witness. Okay, there's the two of them, their spirit and their conscience. And between themselves, in other words, between the, their conscience and their spirits, their thoughts will either accuse them or else excuse them. So whatever you're about to do, if you're doing it in faith, your conscience and your, your spirit will excuse you. There will be no conflict there. If you're about, to, whatever you're about to do is outside of faith, you're now stepping into doubt. You're stepping into sin. Your conscience and your spirit will accuse you. They will say, uh-uh, this is not right. You're not there yet. You shouldn't be doing what you're doing because you're now not walking in faith. You're walking in doubt. And that is... The, you'll have the, the, the conviction inside you. Your conscience and your spirit will convict you and say, don't do this, because you're not walking in faith in this. You're going to take a, 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 a fall on this, in this particular area. And so this is just another mechanism um, that is given to us in order for us to recognize whether we're walking in faith or walking in doubt. If there's any question inside of you, uh, don't do it, because you're not fully convinced in your mind. You have to be fully convinced in your mind before you act on the Word of God. Whatever it is that you see in the Word of God. Don't just see, read something and say, oh, I can do that. And go out and do it. And yet you're not yet fully convinced. Allow that word to renew your mind so that you get to the point where, you know, that's the truth. Anything else is not the truth. That's the truth. I walk in that. Now, you, when you do it, now your spirit and your conscience are going to sit back and say, yeah, what you're doing is right. Because you're not walking in doubt, there's no sin, we're not going to convict you. However, if you do step out of line and you do step into uh, walking, going ahead of the time, your conscience and your spirit will say, whoa, 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 now we're getting into a sinful area here because this is not faith. And you'll be convicted on the inside of you. You'll know that you're not comfortable with doing what you're doing. And there's another scripture we can look at that will kind of just highlight this for us. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 21, the scripture says, Beloved, if our heart, talking about your spirit, does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And so if you're comfortable on the inside of you, there's no condemnation, there's peace there. You know that what you're acting on is the word of God. You're fully convinced in your own mind. There's no conflict here. Um, 
You're going to get it because you're now walking in faith. God honors faith. And God honors every level of faith. Don't forget, the guy that believes he's got to go to the doctor, if, as long as he's believing that God will heal him through that doctor, God will heal him through that doctor. God honors that level of faith. The one who believes he doesn't need a doctor, God will honor that level of faith. The one who believes he needs a doctor trying to walk without a doctor is, taking, is going to get into trouble because now he's stepped outside of his level of faith. And so abide in the Word of God. Con- uh, meditate on the Word of God. Confess the Word of God. Let the Lord convince you about His Word, the truth in His Word. Once you're fully convinced in your own mind, you're going to just automatically walk in that because you're fully convinced that that truth is real and the truth will make you free. All right, there's one other area I want to touch on today, and that is that fact that his faith is tangible. And uh, faith resides in the heart. I've already mentioned the fact that the faith is a spiritual force. It resides in our spirits. And it's in our spirits that that we we exercise faith. But it's through the mind. Uh, The mind is the blockage or the release mechanism, for want of a better word. Let's have a look at a scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. A lot of people know the scripture very well. Scripture says, Now faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. And so we see a concept here about the fact that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now the things that are not seen are the things that we're believing God for. Because faith is always dealing with that which is unseen, okay? It is the substance of things hoped for. The things that are hoped for is always unseen. We don't hope for that which we can see. Once you can see it, you don't need to hope for it anymore. You can see it. But when you you can't yet see it, now you're in hope. And we attach faith to our hope. And faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, evidence in and of itself has to be tangible. If you're going to go to a court of law and present evidence before a judge, you have to present something that the judge can physically see or hear um, in order for that judge to accept that evidence. It has to be something that can be tangibly seen in this world. All right, That is what the nature of evidence is. And the scripture tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, not seen. And so faith has to have tangibility to it in order for it to be evidence of that which is not yet seen. So how does faith do that? Faith does that because faith is displayed through what I say and through the way I behave. What comes out of my mouth is evidence of that which I believe in my heart. The way that I act is evidence of the way I believe in my heart. And so that which I'm fully convinced of in my mind, and I act on and speak out, that is the evidence that is, in, that is tangible, because other people can see it. Other people can hear what you say. And I'm not talking about just speaking at once and then going away and, and you know carrying on as if and carry on and say whatever you want after that. No, we're talking about what you what is consistently coming out of your mouth and the way that you are consistently behaving. 
If you really believe something in your heart and you're fully convinced of it in your mind, that's what you're going to say. And that's the way you're going to behave and that's the way you're going to act. And, and that is tangible evidence to anybody who observes your life and say, okay, well, yeah, that's what this person actually believes because every time you speak to them, that's all they say. And the, the way that they behave, that's, they behave as if that's real. So that is the evidence that they can see. And that's the tangible evidence when the, in the book of Hebrews, he says that faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. And that is the tangibility of it. James puts it in a, in a, in a similar way in James chapter 2, verse 18. He says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Now he puts out the challenge. He says, Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And so James saying, I can show you my faith. You, you, you can see it. Just look at what I do. Okay? This is my faith doing it. This is my faith speaking. Um, that's what, what I believe is what I say, and what I believe is the way I act. And he says, that's how you can see my faith, through my works. And he's saying, you, you guys going around, you're saying, I've got faith. But I'm watching your works, and I don't see your faith. Because, you know, you're saying one thing um, to when you're around people, but when you're around other people, you're saying something else completely different. And you're behaving completely different. No, faith is consistent. So if you're fully convinced in your, in your own mind and you really believe in your heart, that which you do all the time will be an, a, an evidence to everybody of what your faith is. And that which you're saying all the time will be evidence to everybody of what your faith is, including yourself, by the way. And so that's what the scripture means when he says that faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. Um, and there's no way of getting around it. What you believe in your heart and what, and what you're fully convinced of in your mind is what you will speak about, what you will say, and the way that you will behave. And so just check your own life out. And you can quickly assess where, where you are at your level in your walk of faith by just listening to your own words. I, you know, you, you, you get around people. I, I, I love to listen to people. And you can hear what they say. And you, you can straight away see, okay, these people are having these problems in their life, but they... You know, they, they never confess what God's word says about this, the situation. They're always confessing what other people have said about it or how they feel about it. Or, you know, God's word does not really feature. And so they're never going to get to the place where they can eat all things. They can, can continue eating only vegetables until their thinking changes, until they become fully convinced um, in their own minds. And so let's have a look at an example in Scripture of the tangibility of faith. And we'll look at Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 18. And this is a story we all uh, account in the Scripture we all know very well. But it's a good account, it's a good, it's a good example to us of faith that is tangible, that can be seen. Beginning at verse 18, Scripture says, Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. Now look at this, verse 20. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And we all know the story. Our, our Lord uh, healed this man and uh, said, you know, Stand upright, take up your bed and walk. And he did. And he walked out in front of everybody. But he asked tangible faith. 
Our Lord saw their faith. The Bible says, when he saw their faith, uh, he said to the man, man, your sins are forgiven you. And our Lord used that, obviously, to teach on another line. Our Lord was always going to heal this young man anyway. Um, but there was tangible faith. They brought this young man. Now, they, all five of them had, had faith now, and they, they were acting on their faith um, because the four they were carrying, plus the guy who was on the bed, were expecting Jesus to heal. They, 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 they were not going to go away unless Jesus healed this young man. Well, he might have been young, old, might have been young, I don't know. The scripture doesn't say. Um, but they get to the house. They can't get in. The crowds are just too heavy. So what they did, a lot of people would have turned around and said, okay, we'll try another time. No, they're determined to get to Jesus because Jesus can heal them and heal this, this friend of theirs. And so they climb up onto the roof. They take away the tiling from the roof. They let him down through the roof. In, in the midst of Jesus, in front of Jesus. Not many people would have done that, okay? But they were fully convinced that if they could get their friend or their relative in front of Jesus, he would heal them. And that's what they were determined to get from God. And Jesus saw their faith. It was, their, their faith was tangible to everybody. Everybody saw what, to, what they were doing. Um, now everybody else there would come thinking these guys are a bunch of nuts. But Jesus saw their faith. God sees our faith. And so when we act on that which we are fully convinced of with regards to God's word, the world will look at you, and a lot of Christians will look at you and think you're a nut, okay? How can you go do what you're doing? How can you go tear somebody's roof off so that you can get to, to put your friend in front of Jesus? Well, you can do that because you believe it. And what does God do? God looks at their faith. God sees your faith and God acts on your faith. He releases his power because you have now tapped into his faith. He sees that faith. The world doesn't see the faith. And very often, as I said, a lot of Christians don't see your faith. But God sees your faith. And so act on that which you're fully convinced in. Remember blind Bartimaeus. Our Lord's walking past with the whole crowd and he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And people tell him to shut up. He's making a noise. And he cries out even more. And eventually Jesus stops. And Jesus calls him. Now, look at how the world changes. Eh? The world before that is telling him, shut up. You know, you're making a nuisance of yourself. He cries out the louder. He's determined to get uh, his healing from Jesus. He's fully convinced that this prophet can heal him. And if he can get this prophet to lay, to lay hands on him, he will be, he'll have his sight restored. And so he acts on that. He does not deter. No matter how many people are telling him to shut up and, and to, to be quiet, he cries out louder. Now Jesus stops and he says, bring him to me. Now look at how the world turns around and says, oh, he's calling you. Get get excited, he's calling you. That's besides the way. But anyway, he gets to the Lord and the Lord says, what do you want me to do for you? He says, Lord, then I can receive my sight. And the Lord heals him, he gets his sight. And so when you are fully convinced in your own mind, your spirit and your mind will hook up together because your spirit has the faith. Your faith is released you will begin to speak that which you believe. You will begin to act on that which you believe. And that which you believe is your faith. And God will see your faith and God will honor your faith. And you will receive from God that which you are believing for. And so, just to recap, um, faith is being fully convinced in your own mind. Your mind is where the, the, 
the, the change has to take place. Your spirit's ready to, to believe. Remember our Lord said, faith is the size of a mustard seed moves mountains. And so it's not the degree of faith that gets the job done. It's the degree of um, being fully convinced that gets the job done. Remember, Jesus had to fully convince Paul. When, when he did, Paul walked in that degree of liberty. And you, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Spend time in the Word of God. Take, approach the Word of God deliberately. Lord, I want you to reveal the truth of your Word to me that I may walk in it. And He will then reveal that to you and He'll give you the grace to walk in it. You'll be fully convinced. And once you're fully convinced in your mind, that's, that's what you're going to do. Then the tangibility of your faith kicks in. Because now you're just speaking what you believe and you're acting on what you believe. And voila, what you believe comes to pass. For faith is the evidence of things not yet seen, but it will become seen. It becomes seen. Blind Bartimaeus got his eyesight. Um, that young man who was laid down in front of Jesus got up walked out. And so that's where God's power kicks in. And we're going to end the teaching on that particular point today. Amen.